0: Even with all the work that's been done on the human and financial costs of diabetes, there's much more that can be done. What are the new initiatives and what effect are they having? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes
1: or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers Podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that
0: you want to see. Here's your host and Chief Transformation Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers Podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with David Weingard. David is CEO of Fit 4D. Even after all of these years and even knowing as much as we know about diabetes, one of the largest challenges for all plans is still dealing with both the direct and the indirect costs related to that disease. And it's something that David has studied and is very knowledgeable about. And we're going to explore where the state of the art is in managing those costs and what can be done. With that, welcome, David. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So how large is this population and is it growing?
1: So the population in the U.S. is about 30 million and it's growing exponentially. We're projected within the next decade to have one out of three people in the U.S. having diabetes. That's, that's huge. And
0: I mean, as much as we know about managing the disease and and causes and whatnot, is this life, is this largely lifestyle related?
1: Part of it is lifestyle. You need to have a gene for diabetes. Just because somebody may get overweight or doesn't exercise or doesn't eat right doesn't mean that they're going to get diabetes. It's not – obviously, those things are not a healthy lifestyle. But if you do those things and have a genetic disposition to diabetes, then there's a higher likelihood that you will get type 2 diabetes. And keep in mind, there there is – it's confusing for a lot of people. There are two types of diabetes. One is called type 1 diabetes also known as juvenile diabetes because most people get it when they're young. And for type 1 diabetes, the body doesn't create insulin anymore. Basically, the person either has to take an injection of insulin each day or use an insulin pump to survive. Without that, they would just cease. You know, They pass away in a few days, literally. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes myself at an older age, at the age 36, and we'll talk about that. The 90% of the diabetes you hear about of the 30 million is what's called type 2 diabetes. And that's where patients, they have a lack of regulation of the insulin in the body. And in a lot of cases, you can control type 2 diabetes with a, with a proper diet, weight management, and some exercise. And But more often over time, some type of oral medication or perhaps insulin is used to supplement it. Again, people can live a long time with diabetes as long as they take care of it. If they don't take care of it, the greatest cause of death from diabetes is cardiovascular disease like a heart attack or having problems like neuropathy where you can't feel your feet or extremities or arms. And so, it's really something that is really vital to take care of so that people can live a long and fulfilling life.
0: So I know that in in your thought process, you break the challenges facing health plans and diabetes management into four kind of questions or four categories. Can you tell us what those are?
1: Sure. When we work with health plans, I speak to the chief medical officers all the time. They typically have a care management program in place, perhaps a disease management program as well. And they'll say, what's different about what you do? And when I drill down, I ask them, first of all, How are you dealing with the patients who are most poorly controlled? There is a blood sugar metric called A1C, which is the leading indicator of diabetes health, and it's measured through a blood test that people take when they go to their provider's office. So when people are poorly controlled, they have an A1C over eight. We're going to keep talking about that during this conversation, poorly controlled. And those are the people who are either not taking their meds, they're overwhelmed, they're not taking care of their health in a variety of ways. And those are the ones that are costing a health plan the most money and the, the members are most risk. And it's not good for society in general. So, you know, the number one problem that the health plans are grasping and trying to solve for is how do they take care of the patients who are poorly controlled, who are not raising their hand on their own and signing up for a diabetes program or going to a diabetes training class or or engaging in their in their program in disease management. that's that's one. Number two is how does the health plan provide value to the providers? You know, in this day of performance measures and outcomes and quality measures, how does the health plan provide services that will help, the providers who are at risk achieve their outcomes measures and scores. And again, diabetes is a triple weighted quality measure on the Medicare side and is a highly regarded measure for diabetes in general. So having something that's a program that delivers results is absolutely key. The third thing is how do how do we deliver satisfaction for the for members in the health plan how do we differentiate the health plan and the providers from the competition and again it's delivering personalized experience meaningful experiences you know if somebody's grappling with diabetes and they're overwhelmed with it if we're able to deliver a program either through the provider or through the payer and it's a life-changing experience then the patient is grateful and they're loyal to the, to the you know, provider, a health plan that provided that services. So all those things come together into the need that's driving change in the landscape.
0: In the past, this has been kind of maybe more art than science, which makes it a challenge. I think when, when we talk to clients in our practice and when our listeners talk to clients, with programs like this, they say, can you show me a demonstrable, repeatable return on investment? How do you deliver measurable outcomes with a population that has all of these different variables?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So, the clinical measure, as we just talked about, is A1C. And the problem is that you need to get the patient to the doctor's office to get that A1C test. So, what we're going to do is we're going to do an outreach to the patient and build trust over the phone. We use diabetes expert clinicians called Certified Diabetes Educators, and those are nurses, dietitians, and pharmacists who have advanced training and certification in diabetes. And they begin to create a trusted relationship with the patient. And they, it's always the same CDE with the patient. And they engage over a period of three to six months and help get them unstuck from whatever's stopping them from having a healthier diabetes life. So, for example, one patient maybe prescribed a GLP 1 medication and the side effect of that is nausea in the first 30 days. So getting getting people through those first 30 days is absolutely critical and is different. The way we would engage with that individual is different than the way we're going to engage with a patient who walked out of the doctor's office, was told they have type two diabetes and is completely overwhelmed and in fear, doesn't know what to do left. So the behavior change, the proactive engagement and behavior change is absolutely critical. And that's one way we we move the dial. The other way is, is leveraging the resources that the person is willing to use. So, for example, there may be apps and there may be other technology that the plan or the provider has endorsed, and we could educate the patient on using those tools and talk about them, you know? So, for example recording the food that's eaten over the last week and then seeing how it impacts the blood sugar or testing their blood sugar in the first place, which is most people don't test their blood sugar, but even educating them how to do that, why it's important, what it means if they were prescribed a mealtime insulin, getting them to learn how to inject themselves and take it, get over the fear of the needle. There's a lot of titration involved. So, all of this ties into a theme of Education and proactive behavior intervention. The last part I want to bring up is around cultural sensitivity. And so we work with patients who are English speaking, Spanish speaking, and Chinese speaking. And, you know, one part is the language, but it's also respecting it, where they're coming from from a socioeconomic part. And so, for example, in New York City, when we deal with patients, we're going to You know, Spanish-speaking patients, we're going to work with them, and they're primarily Dominican Spanish, and the food part of the discussion is focused on their kind of food. We're not going to talk about a Mexican taco with them, and we're going to talk about the food that they eat. If they live in a neighborhood that's in an underserved area, it's, it's not safe. We're not going to encourage them to go walk on the street and try to get exercise. That way, we're going to find the free city resources where they can go And use public facilities to get some exercise or recommend they find a mall or whatever they do that has to be very personalized. When we launched in Nebraska with Blue Cross there, we happened to launch in the spring when it's these are all farmers in planting season and we really needed to fit into their life and talk to them late at night, you know, when they're done farming and they're off the tractor. And so, really having a sensitivity to people's culture and socioeconomic, and their lifestyle is key to getting them to engage. And
0: now a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff, while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know That Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. When we've talked with other diabetes educators on the program, what we hear constantly is that adherence is a huge problem, that even once you get people over those first 30 days of nausea on that particular medication, or you help them learn how to test, that long-term adherence is an issue. Are are you still seeing that in these populations, and how do you overcome that?
1: Yeah, so absolutely. So, 50% of the patients that walk out of a doctor's office and are prescribed a diabetes medication either don't initiate it or drop off in the first six months. And it's a huge problem for them and for the providers. And so the, the reasons are that they, they don't stay on the medication or start it. it. vary. They're very complex. They're very personal to the individual. Some people can't afford the medication. Some people are overwhelmed and they just kind of put the script in the corner in their kitchen and don't fill it. Some people don't want to inject themselves if it's an injectable medication, on and on and on. And so our role and the role of our diabetes educator clinicians is to build that trust and educate the patients on why it is important and get them to understand that if they don't, the disease does become more serious and chronic and can result in a lot of the Complications we talked about earlier and death, and so you know, as as we help people overcome their fear and we give them compassion and support, they're able to start taking the medication because we'll set a very specific goal. You know, it reminds me of my own situation when I was diagnosed with diabetes with type one, as I you know mentioned earlier. You know, I was completely overwhelmed. I've been an athlete my whole life. I had no diabetes in my family, and here I was at the age thirty six being given a script for insulin and told I needed this to live and I looked on the internet there's a lot of information, but it wasn't personalized to me. It wasn't helpful. I went to the hospitals that were local, and the next diabetes training classes were two months away. I needed help now, and so my experience was finding a diabetes educator that met with me every week and brought all this information around diabetes into a way that was personal to me, that gave me the compassion and support, and most importantly, made me realize that I could do this. And that was the experience that basically began the kernel of why we started Fit for D, to use technology to scale the diabetes educator Cecilia and help transform people's lives because it is so overwhelming and there's so much lack of knowledge and it's not personalized. And when we could deliver that human touch in a scalable way, we really have been able to make a huge difference. Let's go back to the
0: evil four-letter word that we talk about sometimes, which is cost. Are there some programs that are more cost-efficient and cost-effective for plans and payers than others? And how do you get engagement in those type of plans as opposed to more traditional physician office based planning?
1: Yeah, so we we spend more of our time focused working with plans that have a large number of people and and obviously a large population with diabetes. And it's unfortunate, but there are large swaths of the company of the country where you can, especially the southern belt where, you know, diabetes can be as high as twenty-five percent of the population. We're live with one client in Florida, and one out of every four people has diabetes there. And so, what we're, what we're doing is making sure that we lower the A1C for that population, which has a return on investment for the plan. So, you know, we've scaled the human touch so that they can, can be, you know, the finance groups of these, of these plans and these, pay, and these providers who are at risk. And see, you know what, if we could get the A1C down, over time, the complications, the hospitalizations, the mortality will go down. And number two, for those patients we're working for that are in the Medicare world, there are quality measures and there are are star and quality bonuses that come from getting the A1C down as well. And those are triple weighted. So there's economic driver. And then the last part is it's table stakes for them. You know, for any of these health plans or large provider groups to differentiate themselves from their competition, they have to be able to say, you know what, I, I deliver a diabetes program that's meaningful and will help you. You know, in my own situation, that would have been amazing if my hospital system or provider group or my health plan said to me, here, you know, here's a program. You have your own personal diabetes educator that's going to help you for the next three to six months overcome all the challenges that you have. And by doing that, it's good for the member and it's good for the bus- it, the plan on an economic level because of cost reduction and also top-line revenue that comes in from quality measures. So we usually like we've got a couple of
0: minutes left and, and we usually like to ask our guests what they see as the future. I know that's something that you're working hard on, on inventing and changing some of the old protocols. Where do you see this as it goes forward? Is it going to be a, at, at the front end? Is it going to be an AI driven or a internet of things driven process that's going to both continue to give us better adherence and lower costs or other things coming
1: into the mix? Yeah, it's a great question. So, when you look at the spectrum of solutions, on one end, you have apps and tech-savvy solutions, which really work well for a slice of the population that are on their own going to download it, use it, and the motivated patients. And frankly, that that percentage of the population is in single digits. On the other end, you have, you know, really intense interventions, people coming to the house you know, home health care, et cetera. The middle is where the opportunity is, which is the largest piece. How do you scale the best of both worlds, the tech, tech enabled and the human touch, and deliver that care? And so, what I see happening every day in our world is that the human touch is critical to build a relationship with the patient. And we do that through phone and email and on and on. But the, when, when somebody trusts their clinician, and they trust their provider, and they understand why it's important for them, they're much more willing to adopt technology or other tools that it will impact the behavior change. You can't just throw them a link to a website and think that they're going to read it or recommend an app. People may download it, but they'll never use it. So what I see is the future is, and I've seen the industry swing from being heavily human touch to the opposite extreme of tech to now settling in the middle where there's a recognition that you need to build trust with the patient first and educate them first in a scalable way and then start to integrate technology. You know, so here I am. I'm a guy who left Microsoft to found fit for D, a tech guy. And I 100% believe it's see every day that, you know, tech is great for scaling the diabetes educator and for post phase of. Once somebody even understands what diabetes is, the impact, why they need to do it, what get them motivated to use tech, then it's so helpful. David Weingard, CEO of Fit4D.
0: David, thank you for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience. My pleasure. Thank you, David. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.